Hi, and welcome to Answers News for February the 1st, 2021. I'm here with Ken Ham and Bodie Hodge. I'm Georgia Purdom. Hey, February 1st. Mm -hmm. You know what happened on February 4th, seven years ago? I, I actually do. I do know. I do. On this very stage? Yeah, it's my daughter's birthday. There's something else to it. Oh. I'm, I'm, I can tell you almost exactly where I was sitting in this auditorium, even. Is anyone yeah. of our studio? We have a great studio audience we here. We do. Yeah, let's Make hear from you guys. Wow. There they are. See? See, if I'm a pastor, I'd say there's 3,000 people here. <laughs> we had a lot of people that night here. We did have a lot of people. It was packed, yeah, it and it was a bad winter storm, oh, snow, one ice, of the worst I've seen. Catastrophic. Yes. And yep. I debated Bill Nye. On this yep. stage. On this stage. Yep. yep. So, and here's the book with the transcript of the debate. And it's got the transcript. We go through the whole debate. We look at uh, uh, basically every, every debate point, which there were quite a few. Uh, if you guys have ever been on a debate board or, you know, you see people going back and forth, whether it's on Facebook or somewhere else on the internet, um, a lot of those claims are actually some of the same ones that Bill and I brought up. So mm -hmm. it's good to get the book and actually be able to go through those and see what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, with a book, you're not limited to time. Right. So and there are actually really into millions it. of people around the world who watch live. And Tens since that millions. time, just conservative estimate, and we don't know, we think it's a lot more than this because there are groups watching and so on, but just from the number of watched it right. on YouTube and the DVD and other mm -hmm. places, we would say probably over 20 million people mm -hmm. have seen that debate. Yeah. That's so and that's a minimum number. You know, we had instances where whole churches were watching it or right. whole schools and universities, they'd put it up in their gymnasium and people were watching it. So sometimes one IP address really accounted for quite a few people. And, and I've, things that have happened since then, I remember being in Atlanta airport, you know, with oh. five million people there on the one day. <laughs> and suddenly someone yells out, are you the guy that debated Bill Nye? And he races up and wants to get a photograph in the middle of the airport. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, yeah. so um, thought I'd show you some of the new animals we've got down at the Ark Encounter, our these Ridge Zoo. Ridge Zoo. These are we don't necessarily have these on display. We, right. we have a lot of animals on display, and then we have other animals we do programs, programs with, for. special mm -hmm. teaching programs. We have an animal actor stage there as well, do programs yeah. during the day. Uh, there's my wife That's with the... Fennec fox. That's my favorite animal. I'm, and and I'm you know, our zoo, our zoo people, they're all a little strange, but they, they call, they have names for all these animals, and they know I, the names. You have to be strange to do that. No, they're, they're, they're... Guess what they call the fennec fox? Is it Tinker? Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. See, I would have called it Fennec. It just makes sense. <laughs> I foxy, called, I mean, come on. <laughs> I would have called it fennec fox. <laughs> So, and Go then on. this one, do you know what that one is? That's a kinkajou. Kinkajou. Okay. There's a lot of students here in our studio audience. Do you know what the kinkajou is, what kind it's a part of? Other animals' names Closely related for that it. kind. Mm -hmm. Closely related. Would you look at that and say, yes. <laughs> no, it's not no. a marsupial. No. Good guess, though. It looks, it it does, does look it like, looks like, like some a, of them. It sort of looks there. like one. It's actually related to a raccoon. Mm -hmm. And kawadi. And kawadi. Mm -hmm. Kawadi, raccoon, and that's a kinkajou. And actually, when you Cute. watch it, I saw it, he put it down on the, on the ground, and I uh -huh. watch it walk, and it walks just like a raccoon. Oh, it that's It really neat. does. Yeah. It, it's cute. Then you say, oh, it looks like a raccoon. There it doesn't, does it? Yeah, no. Interesting how it can have di eyes, different 
different species mm -hmm. within a kind. Yeah. And so yeah. guess what they call that one? I don't know the name of that one. Tiki. Okay, tiki. Tiki. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Bennett's wallaby. Oh, he's so cute. They name, name him Irwin. Maybe because... Now, that's a marsupial. Uh, that is <laughs> that's a marsupial. It comes from Australia. And yeah, that Steve, makes sense. Steve Irwin is Steve well Irwin, known. Yeah. Maybe yep. that's why they call it Irwin. That's my guess. Yeah. And this one is a Eurasian <gasps> eagle owl. I think it's huge. It is huge. It's they, the biggest owl, isn't it? I yeah. think it's the biggest owl. And that's only two years old. And wow. he raised it, he raised it, raised it from, from an egg. Yeah. No, he raised it from a little one that somehow got uh, out of its So who nest is this? Oh. oh, very funny. Oh, there we go with okay. the pun. Okay, okay, buddy, I want to see how good you are. What is the name of that one? Bird. The hornbill. It's a von der Decken's hornbill. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they, they call that cuckoo. <laughs> I think you have to be <laughs> cuckoo to have invent a name like that. <laughs> uh, well, I also want to mention that our Answers Bible curriculum, we have a Sunday school curriculum that's a four-year curriculum like no other curriculum in the world. Apologetics, biblical authority, chronological teachers, Christian worldview, true biblical worldview. We have science, ex uh, no, we don't have science experiments in that, do we? That's the four-year chronological walkthrough. But we now have a homeschool version of it. We do. Launching this, this it's launched. This, it's, yeah, it, it should, should be, be launched. launched, yeah. The website's up and everything's ready to go. So it, sh it will ship very, very soon. So. But it's very unique in that it goes through the whole of Scripture chronologically. Right. Four-year program. Right. So this is year one but it's for kindergarten to fifth grade. Mm -hmm. biblical authority, chronological. Yep. Yeah. Also, why don't you talk about our Explore Days? So our Explore Days and Explore Junior. We actually have an Explore Junior going on today. Um, and these are for Explore Junior is kindergarten through fifth grade. Explore Days are sixth through twelfth grade. And these are um, basically either full day or half day um, on, uh, teaching here at the Creation Museum or at the Ark. It can be at either one uh, where you have a lot of hands-on science activities for kids. And they, they're um, covering different topics. So some these of really them involve the zoo animals. And if you can't come to those during the school year, we also have Explore camps in the summer, which are week-long day camps um, that students can come and experience some of the, the same things that we do during the year, except it's in just one week. So lots of great opportunities. I encourage you to check that out. It's, it's live and in person. Um, and so it's just a great opportunity to learn science from a biblical worldview. So you want to start with our, we always start with a fluff article. We call yeah. it a fluff article. This one's a sad fluff article though. All right. <laughs> This poor lady was declared dead three years ago, and she can't convince the courts to overturn the decision despite being very much alive. So this is one of those weird things that you just think, how could you not rule in favor of the person that is standing before you alive, that she is indeed alive? Uh, she was declared dead. Uh, so the French woman that was it's declared France, dead. Yeah. It was a mistake, actually. Yeah. She doesn't even, there's not even a certificate of death, but she's dead. And because of that, she can't access her bank accounts and her car has been repossessed. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, and she still can't convince the court that she's alive. Even See, I, I try to look at the there. positive in all this. No taxes. That's what I would say. I'd say, about, yeah, exactly. I'm dead. I can't pay taxes. Are you kidding me? But I think it too, it just goes to the lunacy of our, the world we live in. I mean, you know, here there's evidence literally staring them in front of their right in front of their face and they won't believe it because hey. they believe in evolution that has absolutely no evidence. Hey, you know, yeah, I mean, think about it. Pe <laughs> people look at complexity of life today right? and th they don't believe in God, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yet they, yet they hear beep, beep, beep from outer space and they say, there's intelligence out there. Yeah. We heard beeps. 
<laughs> anyway. that's, that's true, though. That's basically what it is. All oh, right. So How sad. the earth-shaking theory of plate tectonics was born. And so this is kind of an overview, supposedly, of the history of how plate tectonics came to be. Uh, plate tectonics is dealing yeah. with the, the fact that uh, the Earth's crust is made of plates that are moving, a part of moved away from each right. other. Right. Most of you guys are but, familiar with that. Now, you know what this should be called? What? Revisionist, Revisionist history. history. Because... They try to make out that, uh, you know, evolutionists sort of mm -hmm. came up with this idea and so yeah. on. But Bodhi, you know the history of this. And yeah. you've got an article on our website. Who came up with the idea of plate tectonics? Well, it was a lot earlier than the person that they give credit to. It was actually Antonio Snyder Pellegrini uh, back in 1859. He was a creationist, and he was talking about how the flood ripped this stuff apart, that originally there was one continent, uh, and, and you know, based on what he could see by the continental outlines that it looked like it was together and it has been uh, pushed apart. And then it slowed down to what we have today. Now, there's models based on that called catastrophic plate tectonics. In fact, we have a whole chapter on it. And one of our most basic books here, The Answers Book, Volume 1, uh, written by Dr. Andrew Snelling, a geologist, and uh, you know, talks about uh, Antonio Snyder and some of the work that he's done on this. But in this article, they did something strange. They just totally neglected him. As if he had nothing to do with well, it. And they go on to Alfred Wegener, and they give him the credit for it. Well, it's interesting. Antonio Snyder is also the one that said, day three of creation, when God separated uh, the, the land from the waters and said he gathered the, the waters into, into one, one place. place. Mm -hmm. So presumably the land was in one place. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting. Do you know why, though, originally uh, they ignored Snyder? Tell me. Well, because Darwin had just published his book in eight, 1859, mm -hmm. and so he tried to get his book published, and the publisher wasn't interested at all because Darwin's book was popular, and so they didn't want to publish something from a, a creationist. <laughs> and so he had it published in French. Cancel culture. And <laughs> so originally it was in French, and so nobody knew about it. Oh. And yet you go back and look at it and realise... He came up with this idea because he said at the end of the flood, it's obvious with uh, uh, God raising up the mountains, sinking the ocean basins, and the continents split apart. So it was a creationist who came up with the idea right. in the first place. And what we see today, okay, you have rapid movement during the flood, which we have a mechanism for that sort of thing. You know, it springs to the great deep, bursting forth, and so forth. But now, what it, once it's kind of hit and slowed down, we still see residual of that. Anywhere from about uh, two centimeters to about 10 centimeters. You know, think, uh, you know, about three, three inches or so per year, for example, the Atlantic Ocean is still growing. But that's just... And, and see, let me, let me do a little experiment here for okay, you. Let's ready see for it. my experiment? Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, I'll put this book on the table here, and if I push it, it moves fast and then starts to slow down. Mm -hmm. And so... What we would say is we believe in catastrophic plate right. tectonics because of the flood. Mm -hmm. The movement was very quick at Perfect. the beginning. The and now we're in those stages where it's just very, very It's residual. Small. It's just residual movement. Right. And so what they do, though, is what evolutionists do is they'll say, well, because it's slow today and they believe in uniformitarianism and the present being the key to the past, they'll say, well, it moves very slow today. So in order for the continents to get to where they are that we have them today, it must have taken millions and billions of years to right. do that. But they again, they're not accounting the for a catastrophe um, like Noah's flood. Yeah, so, so it's moving slowly. It's always moved slowly. Right. Whereas right. we would say it's moving slowly because it was fast and now mm -hmm. it's slow. Mm -hmm. You know, a prominent... Uh, uh, um, 
old earther got involved in this in the 1920s. Uh, it was an English geologist named Arthur Holmes. And as soon as I read that name, you know, which he, he uh, you know, tried to come up with some ideas for some of the potential explanation for this movement. But this was still early on when a lot of evolutionists didn't buy into it yet. But uh, that name rung a bell with me. He was the first one to propose the age of the earth to be over a billion years old. He claimed in 1913 that the age of the earth was 1.6 billion years old. He was the first one to use a radiometric dating method that only gives dates of billions of years old to argue that it was billions of years old. Before that, nobody, people would have laughed at you for saying it was a yeah. billion years old. But yeah, because based on the Bible, when you add up all the dates in the Bible, and then it comes to thousands of years, thousands. there's no millions of years in the Bible. Right. But it is interesting from, from my biology standpoint, when I read something like this, they talked about how all of this, the, the plates moving and the, and the crust, new crust forming mm -hmm. all the time and those things happening, how it's really important for recycling of a lot of nutrients that we have here on Earth. That's actually part of what allows those things to happen, which allows the Earth to be inhabited as a result. And one of the things they try to talk about in the article was how that makes Earth kind of very unique because a lot of other planets actually don't have plate tectonics. They're, it's fixed. It's not moving at all, and they don't have any life. <laughs> and I think it's just another, another indication, again, that the Earth it was designed to be inhabited. These things have to move, and they have to do this in order for our Earth to even be the way that it is and be inhabited. See, my theory on plate tectonics is God wanted plate tectonics to happen mm -hmm. after the flood to form Australia. So that's okay. why. That's the main reason. Sounds good. Mm. Okay. You know, if I knew you were going to do that experiment, I would have brought a plate in for you. And you could have physically pushed a little plate <laughs> that around. That might have went yeah. flying all the way off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jewish yeah. private school hit by government action for teaching creationism in science. So this is the North Jerusalem Girls School. And um, basically, they've been sent a statutory notice. Um, because they've been teaching a biblical worldview, or at least that right. it appears that. They don't really go into the specifics here, um, but we would assume it has to do with, again, the biblical account of creation in science class. Now, right? I, I want you to understand where this is at. This is in London, England. Right. So this is where this is at. It, the name is Jerusalem, but it's, right. it's up in And so the school is now rated inadequate um, because it's been teaching creationism in geography and science. Yeah, they, they discovered that they were teaching creation. How oh. dare they not go against evolution in yep. evolution's backyard? Well, uh, by the way, you, you know what's going to happen. I mean, they say here, think about this too. The, the terminology, it's important to understand mm -hmm. what's going on here. Um, they said they can teach creationism as part of a belief system, yep. but it should not be presented as having a similar or superior evidence uh, based to scientific Sim theories. They call evolution science because evolution's a belief. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? And what they're going to do here in America, you're going to find it more and more because they're already talking about this. They're going to put, they're going to go to the, the Christian colleges and Christian yep. schools. If you're not teaching evolution, you're teaching creation, then you can't be accredited. That's what or they're going to do. Or if you're not teaching that, you know, you can change your, bio, you can change your sex from one to the mm -hmm. other, you can't you know, have accreditation. Right, you're supposed to bow down and worship their, yeah. their worldview. And, and the first move is going to be they lose tax deductibility, mm -hmm. they're going to come at Christian organizations, then they're going to no come at churches. I mean, they've talked about mm -hmm. all this, and uh, that's the sort of pressure we're going to get here in America. Yeah. See, but, see, here's what happened. You know, they ended up getting this letter from an education minister, um, but at the same time, who was it that was behind all this? It's called the National Secular Society. <laughs> now, that's a religious organization. That's how much power they have. The religion of secular humanism dominates England. 
It just dominates it. We're starting to see secular humanism dominate here in the United States. It is a religion, if you've ever heard of evolution, millions of years, Big Bang, these are subsets to secular religions. And so when you have a society like this that has that much power to be able to go into a school and challenge them to say, hey, you've got to follow after our religion or you're in trouble. Hey, I mean, that's, that's what's happening. Well, that's it what follows along what you just said. They said, the National Secular Society said, schools that teach creationism as science are prioritizing religious indoctrination above the educational rights of the children they teach. But what they really mean is Christian and doing the Bible, not religious, right. because what they teach is just as religious. It just happens it's to be exactly a different right. religion. Right? See, and it's what, arbitrary. What we've yeah. got to understand is everyone has a religion. Everyone yeah. has a belief. And ultimately, and that's what I'll, I do in a, a talk, uh, is the fact that there's ultimately only two religions. Right. And that is you start from God's word or man's word. Mm -hmm. They're the two religions mm -hmm. in an ultimate sense. And so they try to make out, oh, you're Christian, you teach creation, that's religious. We teach evolution, there's no God, that's not religious, they call that science. And right. that's how they indoctrinate and And you've been tricked. People. And if that's the case, you've been tricked into believing that no. there's a religion that isn't Well, they make religion. it religion versus science instead right. of... Um, religion, religion versus, versus religion, religion, which is really what it is. See, they, they say here, uh, this should also remind the government inspectors that children's fundamental rights should be protected regardless of the religious outlook of the school that they attend. Hold it. What about their rights to religious freedom? Nope, they don't get that. What about parental rights? Who Parents intentionally sent their children there to protect them. Yeah. So they're, they're not arguing for rights here. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is they're saying you shouldn't have rights. You should be forced to have this religion yeah. imposed on Definitely. them. Definitely. All right, first life could have evolved on ancient islands. Okay, so they're always trying to come up with how did the first... I, th I thought evolutionists said life evolved in the oceans. Well... Now it evolved problem. in an island. Yeah, <laughs> little ponds on islands. Well, they want to say it's around <laughs> hydrothermal vents because you can get a lot of... There's a lot of heat generated there. But then it's in water, and that sort of poses some problems with things um, being joined together, polymerization, which is what you need for DNA and molecules mm -hmm. like that. So they're trying to figure out... They're actually... It's funny. I thought in this article, they're trying to get back to Darwin's idea of the warm little pond, right? That, that's yep. basically what they're trying to say is that well, because of all the volcanism and things that were going on on Earth, some of this stuff was raised above the waterline. You've got islands. Islands have little warm little ponds on them. And that's where life must have originated. Well, I like the first sentence. Before the continents emerged, Earth could have been an island world. Yeah. And so... And in, look, they drew a picture. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There it is, right there. Look, based on that statement, mm -hmm. it could have been an island world. And then you read... You read these other statements here. Some scientists believe that the first microbial life, and they go on, that could encourage polymerization, and they go on, but that would be difficult. Another camp, they argue that life instead. In other words, the whole thing is saying all these scientists disagree, but they're trying to, they're trying to come up with some scenario to say life evolved millions of years ago. Right. Okay, and, and this is talking origin of life. This is a huge problem in a secular worldview. Um, it, what they're trying to do is violate a law of science. It's called the law of biogenesis. So they, they're trying to come up with what's called abiogenesis, that, that chemicals randomly came up with life all by itself. No God involved, no intelligence involved. They're wanting to say that that's what happened. That violates the law of biogenesis. They're trying to overcome it, and they just can't. Yeah. They, that's why they just keep coming up with these story after story after story, but none of it's happening. And, you know, if you, if you were to teach in a science class in a public school, for instance, say... When you look at DNA, it's a very complex information system, and information only comes from information. There's a code system that reads it. Codes only come from intelligence. Wow, this is evidence of a designer. They would say, that's religion. You can't teach that. 
But if you put a paper like this in a public school classroom, they'll say, what a wonderful paper. We're teaching in science. Oh, they pull chapters on this and, in some of their textbooks. And well, all the way through, they're saying it's just yeah. an hypothesis and we don't know. Well, it and, even says that they used a computer model to recreate the conditions of the Archean Earth. How do you know what the conditions words, were? They put their belief yeah. into a computer model and said, yeah. oh, look, the computer model comes up with evolution. But that's science, mm -hmm. you know, that's okay. And in but, here, yeah. they're saying that some of this stuff, you know, may go back to some rocks that go back to 3.7 to 3.95 billion years ago. And then, of course, they're appealing to dating methods. Do you realize how many problems radiometric dating models have? You know, I mean, a lot of people appeal to carbon dating. Carbon dating cannot give you dates of millions and billions of years old. They appeal to other dating methods, uh, uranium, thorium, and so forth. I know Bill Nye would do that in the debate. We talk about that in the book. But we actually have a couple of books here. One of them, uh, this is uh, more of a layman's version of radioisotopes in the age of the Earth. It was a big technical study done by a number of uh, very well-qualified scientists. This is the summary of all their results, called Thousands Not Billions, where they're looking at all these different radiometric dating models, and they are inconsistent uh, in things over and over again. Massive numbers of problems with it. Uh, we also have the Answers Book, Volume 1. We have a chapter on carbon dating and a chapter on radiometric dating at a layman level. Uh, students could read this without a problem. There's also a chapter in here on catastrophic plate tectonics uh, by Dr. Andrew Snelling. Uh, so, I mean, these are powerful resources. You just got to watch out for some of those days people are throwing around out there. All right, so the next article focuses on um, sermons, okay, in Christian churches and the idea of racial reconciliation. And so what this survey showed was that between 2016 and 2020, so just a mere four years, the number of congregants that wanted their pastor to preach on racial reconciliation went down substantially. So it went from 90% to 74%. And so they're trying to grapple with why is this the case? I mean, you know, the, the whole racism idea, especially in the, over the last year, is really ramped up, yet it seems like more and more people aren't wanting to hear um, uh, sermons on that, and definitely pastors aren't wanting to give sermons on that. Well, you know, the other thing is, they say they want to hear sermons on racial reconciliation, and some of the pastors said they're more reticent to give talks mm -hmm. on racial yeah. reconciliation. Well, number one thing, here's what pastors should be doing. See, I don't believe you sh they should be giving talks on racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. For a start, there's only one race. Right. What they Human should race. be doing is teaching the whole counsel of God. If you teach the whole counsel of God and you teach Genesis, we're all descendants of but Adam and Eve. that's the problem right there. That's the problem right there, because <laughs> yeah. they want to teach Genesis. They're not going to teach mm -hmm. Genesis. But if you teach Genesis, then you understand the history of the human race. We're all descendants of one man and one woman. Biologically, there's only We're one all race. And the event of the Tower of Babel formed different people groups mm -hmm. and different nations. And th that you've got you to believe the true history of yeah. humans first to be able before to you it. even deal with racism yeah. and all these other topics. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of them, they don't believe that, gen that history in Genesis. They don't even understand that that history is there. Or, well, they think that history is too divisive. I don't want to talk about it because my, my mm -hmm. people in my congregation are divided on that. And so it creates all these problems, though. Then we grow up with the church really not... Um, teaching on these things, preaching on these things, and helping people have that biblical worldview to look at the world correctly and rightly. You know, we have a chapter in here on that subject. Ken, you yeah. actually wrote this yeah. one. Right. Um, you know, it, it's looking at the subject of racism and how we actually all go back to Adam and Eve. We all go back to Noah. So, you know, th this is a great book that really well, deals with that subject. I think a big problem in the church has been the majority, unfortunately, of our Christian leaders have compromised evolution uh, with 
and millions of years with Genesis, mm -hmm. and so they don't teach Genesis. I've even had right. conservative pastors tell me it's too divisive a topic. Right. Oh, yeah. And oh, yet yeah. Genesis is the foundation for the rest right. of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And when you teach the history in Genesis, then you've got a basis for dealing with uh, the issues of race and racism mm -hmm. and so on. Because the ultimate problem with racism is sin. I mean, the ultimate issue is sin. And the way to deal with sin is the gospel. And so those things can be dealt with appropriately, but we right. have to start with God's word. You have to have God's word for that. And then <laughs> if you want to talk about so-called racial reconciliation, mm -hmm. yeah. then we need to start to understand that Wait a minute, what does God tell us as Christians? Right. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those yeah. who trespass against us. Love your neighbor yeah, uh, as yourself. Uh, self. Yeah. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul yeah. and love your neighbor uh, as yourself. And, uh, you know, I have a book uh, out there co-authored with my uh, really good friend, uh, uh, African-American pastor, Dr. Charles Ware, yeah. where it's called One Race, One Blood. We even deal with the issue of skin color. Right. We're all the same colors, just different shades. It's yep. due to main, the main pigment is melanin. It's a brown pigment. Mm -hmm. And so it's not what color you some are. Have it's, more, some it's have what, less. It's what yeah. shade you are. And yeah. it's just minor genetics. That's all it is. Very easy to understand. But that's missing from, the yep. from much of the church, unfortunately. Yep. I'd love to see some statistics on how many pastors um, think their congregation want to hear about creation. Yeah. That would yeah. be an interesting one. Well, the other thing that needs to be said in this context too is if you want to look at one of the most racist books around, it's Darwin's book, The, the Descent of Man. Of Man. Mm. Uh, and Darwin's book, The Descent of Man, is actually, uh, it fueled racism in a big way. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, it really did. You know, talking about lower races and higher races, and Margaret Sanger used that whole idea uh, to begin Planned Parenthood. Yeah. I mean, yep. that's, that's the whole foundation of Planned yeah. Parenthood right, right. there. Uh, and, and her whole idea of um, dealing with eugenics and, right. and so on. All of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you think of uh, also what Hitler did, right. he justified what he did to the Jews and others on the basis of the yeah. uh, belief in evolution, Darwin's ideas. Yep. So this next article kind of um, goes along with it. Anti-racism comes to the heartland. Missouri Middle School forces teachers to locate themselves on an oppression matrix and watch a video of George Floyd's last word. So this happens in a middle school in Springfield, Missouri. So I think it's common to think of this stuff only happening on the coast, but it's coming to the heartland, right? It's right here um, in the Midwest and where basically in these schools, they're doing all of this typical training, um, like social justice, be a social justice warrior. Um, it, it's essentially Marxism is what it is because it's saying that, you know, white people are the oppressors and everyone else is oppressed. And so where are you on the oppression matrix? And just because you're a white person, you're obviously racist. It's systemic racism. All these buzzwords that we hear and basically these teachers are being indoctrinated in that. And so what do you think they're going to turn around and do? Then they're going to indoctrinate their kids that they're teaching with mm -hmm. that. You know, it's interesting in this particular article, it points out a number of fallacies. I didn't have to do it. They're pointing out non sequiturs and so forth. So uh, yeah. I thought that was interesting, uh, you know, them pointing some of the fallacies out in some of this. But. This is another reason why we need to teach the true history of the Absolutely. human race. Because instead of dealing with all these sorts of issues, you mm -hmm. know, the answer is, the, and this is a public school. Right. And that's what they're getting in the public schools. Yeah. But that's why we need to raise up generations mm -hmm. of kids founded in God's word with the true history of the human race, as we talked about, mm -hmm. that we all go back to Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. There's only one race, right? Mm -hmm. And we're different cultures, uh, and we have 
some slightly different features on the outside because of the combination of genetics resulting from the Tower of Babel and separation out of people. Are you talking about my baldness? No, that's because of sin. That's, oh. a mu that's, <laughs> that's degeneration. That's what yeah. that is. Oh. Yeah. But it's just sad to see these, I mean, and we've heard about different programs and stuff that they're using even in the federal government and in other places to try to indoctrinate people. You've heard probably critical race theory and intersectionality, and you get all these buzzwords, you know, and then they mm -hmm. try to teach them these things, to teach children these things, to raise up a generation that thinks that. And it's just, it, this is totalitarianism. It's soft totalitarianism, but that's exactly what yeah. it is. And so... We need, to, we need to understand that. We need to be aware of that and watching out for those things, even in public schools. Yeah. So, Okay, next one. Can science prove there is an afterlife? A Netflix documentary says yes. So, I mean, if Netflix says it, it must be true. <laughs> Actually, God says it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. No. So this was an interesting documentary um, that apparently went through not only looking at things like different people's faith systems, okay, and belief systems, but also looking at things like tarot card readings and, you know, seances and things like that for an indication of the afterlife. Yeah, and of course the Bible warns about those types of things uh, extensively in the Old Testament, even a little bit in the New Testament. I know, uh, I know two, at least two people uh, from the New Testament mm -hmm. that came back to life. Yeah, there are several, yeah. One was Jesus. One was Jesus. One Lazarus. Was Lazarus. There was mm -hmm. a, a girl that was brought back to life. I've always right. felt sorry for Lazarus. Yeah. Poor guy had to die twice. <laughs> he probably came out and... Yeah. I got to go through that again? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh. But, but this I don't think that's very theological. <laughs> but this article is kind right. of focusing <laughs> on the fact that, you know, well, it doesn't like the fact that it's lumping. It's saying that, hey, this is an, uh, an unscientific thing in the sense that you can't test it, right? You can't test that there's right. an afterlife because... In order to know if there's an afterlife, you would have, you have to, to die. die. And guess what? Jesus died. <laughs> and yeah. he came back to life. Right. And he told us what happened. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I, I, I've got some proof in an afterlife. Okay. All right. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Right. And he said, truly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise to the thief on the mm -hmm. cross. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that comes judgment. Yep. And then, of course, uh, Luke 16 is an interesting one. And it's, uh, some people say it's a parable, but it's where uh, we have actually a name because it's talking about uh, mm -hmm. Lazarus. Lazarus. Man, yeah. And so... Uh, a lot of people believe it's not a parable. A uh, rich man who died went to a place of torment. Lazarus went to be with Abraham. And the rich man wanted to come back and warn his brothers about this, this place. Mm -hmm. And regardless of whether it's a parable or this is a real event that Jesus is talking right. about, is telling us, yeah, there's, there's an afterlife, that's for sure. And make sure you're going to go to the, to the right place, right? <laughs> because There's only two places you could go. Because yeah. you either separated from God forever and the Bible calls that place hell or you go to be with the Lord forever yeah. and that's why we do what we do don't right, we here exactly. Answers in exactly. Genesis because we want people to understand the truth uh, of God's word and the saving gospel yep yep all right well we're out of time for today so we'll see you back on Wednesday all right God bless you guys